0: she said i would not pick out a book that had grandma in it if it had grandma in the title i would just walk past the book and just forget it she said i was so drawn to your book i had to crack it open and she cried christina i'm standing there and we're both just slobbering i mean just crying ugly crying and she said you gave me back my mother you gave me back my grandma
1: your host, Christina Hubbard, and this is the Creative and Free Podcast, where creative hearts come fully alive to the pursuit of joy. This is episode 20. The child within the artist wants to be seen, heard, and loved. Yes, we want to be different, but we want to know we have value. Vanessa Brantley-Newton is an illustrator, storyteller, and diversity expert who was told she was too big for her name when she was a child. She learned to use her disabilities to capture the hearts of children and adults of all backgrounds. We laugh and we cry in this interview, and we chat about helping people's stories be heard. And it's not the good stuff that makes us stronger. Vanessa is the featured artist this month. That means she'll be joining us for three episodes. You're listening to part one of an incredible interview. And in a couple of weeks, she's got a powerful spiritual practice for you. So let's dive in. Today, I've got Vanessa Brantley-Newton. She is an award-winning author, illustrator, diversity expert, and storyteller. She wants all children to see their unique experiences reflected in the books they read, so they can feel the same sense of empowerment and recognition she experienced as a young reader. Vanessa celebrates self-love and acceptance of all cultures through her work and hopes to inspire young readers to find their own voices. She has worked on over 80 books, and she lives in Charlotte, North Carolina with her husband and daughter. Vanessa, welcome to the podcast.
0: So happy to be here with you, Christina. Thank you for having me.
1: You have a very specific and beautiful artistic vision for your work. How did that come
0: about? It, was, it wasn't easy, <laughs> but I come from a very, very diverse household. Uh, when I was a little girl uh, back in the 60s, my, um, my mom and dad uh, were a part of the civil rights movement, and um, they marched and they sang. They did a lot of singing. They were musicians and singers. And uh, we had invited into our house everybody you could possibly imagine. So it didn't matter if you were white, it didn't matter if you were Jewish, Muslim, Uh, it didn't even matter if you were gay, it didn't it didn't matter if you had a home or you didn't have a home, if you were a student or a whole family. Uh, People came to our home and our house uh, quickly became what we called the house of uh, refuge, because anybody and everybody that could come through came through. And it introduced us and exposed us to such diversity that many households were not experiencing black or white. And uh, we we were the first black family or the second, I'm sorry, black family that moved into the neighborhood that we lived in and not accepted and so when they saw these people would ride up in their cars and they would get out of the car and here's somebody with a, a hubjub on or here's somebody with um, a yarmulke on or what uh, they're, they're looking like what the heck is going on in there all these different people and it was my mother and father had such amazing friends they made friends with these people and so like i said diversity started in my own house and so uh, it affected me as an illustrator that when i began to draw I wanted to see everybody like my household was. And so it quickly ingested itself into what I was doing. I also worked in a hospital for 25 years as a phlebotomist. And I specialized in taking care of babies with AIDS, um, uh, newborns, um, premature babies. And my job was to draw blood from these babies that had little teeny weeny tiny feet. And um, what I learned, Christina, was babies want three things from us. They don't care what color you are. They want a clean diaper, and they want to know if you have milk. That's it. That's all they care about. And that was what I wanted to put into children's books, was that if a little brown boy picked up a book, or if a little white girl picked up a book, or if an Asian child picked up a book, they would go, wow, she saw me. And that's why the work is what it is.
1: So kids can see themselves in your books.
0: Absolutely.
1: And that's what I love about your, your artwork and your storytelling. Uh, it's so vibrant. Like you, you can see the textures. You can see the, the different patterns. And you're really just celebrating the beauty of, of everyone. But I can also tell there's like this tenderness that is from, from some hardship.
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. My, my schooling was not the best part of my life. I at five years old, I was the only chocolate chip, I call it. I was the only chocolate chip in the classroom. And uh, it was right when they started to intermingle the schools and start to uh, uh, put black children in white classes. And I was the only little black girl there. And my mom was so meticulous about how we looked. Mm -hmm. And it was important for us to have the right shoes, the right, and I remember to this day, I'm 50, I'll I'll be 60 60 soon, but um, my mom dressed me in a red plaid pinafore, I'll never forget it. And it had a white shirt and the white shirt had a Peter Pan collar that had red piping around it. And I had a bright red sweater on and my new Buster Brown. And I was so excited to go to school. And I remember walking in the classroom and the teacher not happy to have me. And just so I could just feel the energy that was off of her. And um, she told me that my name was too big for me. And I told her what my name was. And she goes, that's too big for you. And she walked off and she left me. And she said something that scarred me. And school for me went completely downhill from there. She told me that if I didn't eat the oatmeal that she sat in front of me, she was gonna stick my head in the fish tank that was in the room. It scared the living life out of me. I went home and back in those days, you really didn't tell your parents everything that went on because elders were the elders. They were the ones who were in charge. And so if the teacher said you were wrong, you were wrong. And so I just kept it to myself. But the disintegration, of schooling, because uh, I was, I, I had something called synesthesia, which is the ability to see, smell, feel, taste, and hear color. Um, I also was dyslexic, severely dyslexic. There were no special ed classes or anything like that to take you through. And I stuttered badly. So I had these three things going on. So it was just not, not a good thing at all. And so the tenderness that I feel for children is that you might be the one that sticks out. You may be the one that's dyslexic. You may be the black one or even the white one. I don't know. You you may be the Christian. You may be the Jewish person. You may be the Muslim that walked in the room. But I want you to know, and I'm going to try to keep it together. I see you. I see you. And that's really what children want to know is that they're not ignored, that people see them. I see you is what's important.
1: That is so beautiful. And so many, so many adults want to hear that too, you know? And so as I was reading your books, I, I heard my own story in there. I saw myself, I saw, I saw people I knew and I saw my friends and I just, I, I loved that because it kind of, it, well, it touched a deep longing in me to, to be seen and to be heard. And I just, I love that about your work. So I would love to know more about how did you become an artist?
0: Well, in an African-American family, you don't come home and tell your mom and dad you want to be an artist. <laughs> and the thing is, I connect with so many people from different cultures who tell me the same thing. Uh, you have two things that you can be, a doctor and a lawyer. You know, that, that's it. But when you come home and you tell your parents that you want to be, you know, especially in the time that I was raised, which is was in the 60s, that's the last thing you came home and told your mother and father is that you wanted to be an artist. We want to know that you can take care of yourself. But it was all I could do when I would go to school is draw. That's it. I was very, very quiet because I didn't want to open my mouth to talk because people would laugh at me because I stuttered. And I mean, even to the point where people would say nasty things, spit it out are you stupid? What's wrong with you? You know, that kind of thing. And so it really caused me to go inside. But what I would do is I would find paper and I would express myself on the paper. Sometimes in circles, sometimes in squares, sometimes with colors, sometimes with textures, uh, just to kind of emote and get it out of me.
1: In a few seconds, Vanessa tells about coloring on the stove and announcing to her parents, I'm an artist. Unfortunately, Zoom, which we recorded the interview with, garbled that enthusiastic announcement, but I left a bit of it in there so you could hear Vanessa tell it as only she can.
0: Again, I have synesthesia, so people's words came out in inky black if they didn't like me or I didn't fit in. And then those are times where, when I'm drawing, where oranges and yellows and pinks and blues would just, like, overtake me. And um, I told my mom and dad earlier, I want to be an artist. And I remember drawing on the side of the kitchen stove. (laughs) And they were cooking. And when the stove got hot, it melted down in a puddle on the floor. And I jumped back and I said, I'm an artist. And they brought me a bucket of water and, and comic cleanser. And I had to clean it up. But I would always find places to put that artwork. And so I knew, and I think children tell parents what they want to be, is we freak out as parents and go, oh, my God, you know, what, what if that doesn't happen for them? But we need to have a little faith. Uh, sometimes it's not them becoming an artist. Maybe they become an architect. Maybe they become a chef. Maybe they even become a teacher or doctor. You, you don't know, but it's not to kill that creative thing inside of them. My mom and dad crushed that real early, <laughs> me, unfortunately, because they didn't know. I got to uh, have two teachers in high school who told, or rather called my mom and dad and told them, they said, listen, this girl has talent. Don't don't sleep on this. And my SAT scores were horrible. You get, they say, you get 300 points for signing, Christina. <laughs> I got 400 points. That's how bad it was. And I got, in, I got into school and uh, it was because of Mr. D, uh, Mr. Snall and Ms. Dean, and my Aunt Annie that I got into FIT. And so they really kind of were the wing, you know, the breath that I needed, the wind beneath my wings to get me in there. And, uh, you know, life happened 25 years later after being a phlebotomist, started working on a portfolio, putting a portfolio together and doing what I loved. You know, drawing, it wasn't just fashion, it was drawing people, studying people. And uh, I I really want to share with you, uh, in working in the hospital for 25 years and taking care of those babies, uh, I watched a lot of children die. And reality had set in, and I began to get depressed. And I remember one of the uh, uh, counselors saw me walking down the hallway one day, and she said, come into my office, I wanna talk to you. And I sat down and I talked with her and she said, "Um, Vanessa, what do you do for fun? And I tell her, so, well, I go to church and I sing on the choir. She goes, no, 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 no. What do you do for fun? I said, well, I like to draw, I really like to draw. She said, um, have you thought about drawing the children that you lost? I was like, that would be the hardest thing to do. She said, no. She said, draw them to get them out of you, put them on paper, and see what happens. Christina, I filled up notebook after notebook after notebook. And I cried and I sobbed and cried and sobbed as I got babies that I loved and held and rejoiced over and prayed for. And I got them out of me and I put them on paper to only get to now where I'm putting them in children's books. And I get to tell a second story. They get to have a second life in my illustrations, in the books that I illustrate and I dedicate to them and their families. And I'm so moved by it because sometimes we think and we look at where we are right now, how does it serve us? How is this being in this gonna serve me? And we don't wanna go through bad things. We don't, we don't wanna go through bad things, but it's not the good things that make us strong. It's the worst things, it's the things that just break us and i cry because, not because I'm feeling sorry for myself, I cry because I feel the people that this is gonna to touch. I feel the people who are gonna be sitting there listening, why am I not doing art? Why am I not writing the book? Why hasn't anybody picked me up? Why am I not married? Why am I you know, still single? Why am I sick? Why am I whatever? And we go through these things and in order to become stronger, and to endure and to be better people, we have to go through these things so that when we talk to other people and they go, you wouldn't understand. Oh, baby, would I understand? Let me tell you, I got a story for you. And one of victory, one of how I got through it. And so when I can share that, that's, that's the most powerful thing ever.
1: It's the power of empathy and it's the power of connection Like, I don't have to have gone through the exact same thing that you did, but we all go through hardship. And we're all, we all are going through hardship now with COVID
0: and
1: and our nation and racial tension and just all the craziness that is right now. I love how you are seeing the redemptive story that's being written through all of those storylines, through all those lives that are coming to life again through your artwork and touching children and adults.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, the adults that I have that come to me uh, when I did Grandma's Purse, you know, uh, the first thing as an illustrator, you want people to recognize the work and go, oh, we're gonna give you an award. Here's an award for you. And no award (laughs) came. And uh, I don't mind telling people I'm a woman of faith. I don't apologize for it. I'm proud to be a woman of faith. I believe in God, of the Holy Spirit, Jesus. Yes, okay, that's me. And I remember in my prayer time, hearing the Lord say to me, don't miss the important thing. And I was like, well, what's the important thing? And he says, the important thing is the children. Don't miss out the reward for an award. The reward is the children that you touch and their parents. And I had a woman walk up to me, just lost her mother a couple of weeks ago, and then lost her mother-in-law a year before that. She said, I would not pick out a book that had grandma in it. If it had grandma in a title, I'd just walk past the book and just forget it. She said, I was so drawn to your book I had to crack it open and she cried Christina I'm standing there and we're both just slobbering I mean just crying ugly crying and she said you gave me back my mother you gave me back my grandma so to be able to touch adults in a different way sometimes than children is a powerful thing as well I don't take it for granted I do not take it for granted
1: that is something really special it is it really is. I love it, Grandma's purse. Okay, this is gonna sound so silly, but the coin purse, the coin purse in there. I was like that, and the candy. I was like, in church. <laughs> I was like, that's my grandma.
0: Right yeah, that's there. it. Exactly. It's <laughs> so true. Oh my goodness.
1: And even the the white hair. So my grandma had like the the cotton top, white hair. Like we used to call her the angel because it was just so yes.
0: Cool. Oh my goodness. Christina, oh my goodness! (laughs) That is fantastic. It's the same thing here. We used to call them angels as well. They must be an angel. You see that white hair they have? Amazing, amazing! I love it. Yes. Oh man. Oh, so can you take us
1: through kind of the process that you go through from one of your books, you know, to the the idea? coming into your, your mind, and then to the finished product? What is that like for you?
0: I'm a storyteller. I love, I love telling stories. It is, um, I've been telling stories since I was a kid. My mom and dad uh, worked three and four jobs, so they really didn't have time uh, to sit with me and my sister and read stories. And so they would encourage us, hey, you guys tell each other stories. And uh, that's what built that storytelling muscle. But um, how I come up with ideas, I watch children. I watch everything children do. I'm a people watcher, period. Uh, When I lived in Jersey, I would go to New York all the time. My husband's from the Bronx. So we would go to New York and sometimes I would just sit on the street and I would just watch people and just imagine the stories that would come to me and see it in my head. And so for me, because I'm dyslexic, sometimes the pictures come first before the words do. And so I usually come up with the story kind of in, in picture form, and it starts with a character. Characters usually stay in my head, and they start knocking, literally. They start knocking on the, my frontal lobe like, hey, I want to come out. I want to be born. Can you draw me today? And so I'll draw that character, and then that character will tell me when I begin to ask the question, so what's your name? And I literally start talking to the character. What's your name? Where do you live? What are you afraid of? What do you want? You know? What makes you happy? Who are some of the interesting people in your life? You know, and once I start getting that information, it helps me to kind of build the story. And so uh, I am this artist who, yes, who is African-American. And there are many of my friends who are African-American who are writing these fantastic stories, historical stories, very needed historical stories um, that need to be shared. But I also want to give children of color and uh, white children as well, a different view of black people and what they can do. And so, to be able to tell a little black boy, you can go to the moon from your bed in your, in your imagination, I wanna give that to them. Um, you can be a teeny, 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 tiny little girl and live maybe in a teapot that's your mansion, you know, um, uh, but to give them different ideas. And so, I think about that as well. My process is I start sketching it out. Once I sketch it out, I begin to tell a story to myself. And because, like I said, I am dyslexic, I will speak it into my telephone uh, recorder. And then I have a wonderful editor, Kelly Kelly Delaney, who will take it and she will turn it into a story. And so I just love working this way. And then the illustrations, when I finally get to paint, I really try to pull out all the stuff. And I like Collage—that's my my language—and so collage is texture. It's color. It's depth. It's um, feeling. Yellow is my um, is my power color. It tastes like pickles. <laughs> I'm constantly asked, "What does yellow taste like?" Yellow tastes like pickles, and I love pickles. They are my favorite. So that's kind of like my process for uh, creating children's books that's beautiful and so are the pickles sweet or sour yeah they're, they're, they're dill pickles they dill have to pickle. be sour yeah but but i'll i'll, I'll eat a sweet gershon every once in a while but i love dill pickles they're my favorite kosher yeah
1: love it yum i'm a sweet pickle person myself but. you're a sweet pickle person okay
0: <laughs> we can still hang yeah, that, yeah we, cool. can, we can we <laughs> can't
1: Vanessa at vanessabrantleynewton.com. Go to her website to hear her give a reading of Grandma's Purse, which is one of her newest books. She's also on Instagram and Facebook and you can find a link to those in the show notes. Have you left a star rating for the podcast? Go to iTunes and do that when you have a chance. It really helps me out. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, why not share it with a friend? To find links from this episode in the show notes and other great artist interviews, head on over to christinahubber.com. You can download a free meditation there as my thanks to you for being a part of this community. Stay tuned for part two, and that'll be in the next episode where Vanessa shares how she made Judy Bloom do the hokey pokey and her encouragement to artists to do it scared. Until next time, in the words of John O'Donohue, may you live this day compassionate in heart, clear in word, gracious in awareness, courageous in thought, generous in love.